Welcome back to Who Are You, a CSI podcast. I'm Lauren, and I've seen CSI through and through around three to four times. And I'm Nick, and we're working my first time through all these episodes. Yes, and today we are reviewing Season 1, Episode 5, Friends and Lovers, originally aired November 3rd, 2000. Director is Lou Antonio. Writers are Anthony E. Zyker, Andrew Lipsitz, and Eli Talbert. And I, my first notes, my first notes were this, the Vegas Strip and the desert were our cutting scenes. Yes. We had, we had I, both. I was very, I was very close to going back and starting to create like a Vegas score sheet. But I think I'm gonna wait to get to like episode ten, so I have like a good sample size. Mm-hmm. Then I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna rank them all. And I'm oh, going to use okay. that to set my baseline score. Okay. Or right. like, what's a lot of Vegas intro? And what's a little Vegas intro? What's a little? So this does seem to be like half and half. Yeah. I don't know if this will continue in future seasons, but for now I have strong opinions that this these Vegas intros are sticking around. We, we shall see. We quickly move on to a... I put Naked Kid. I'm sure the first time I watched this, he was probably around my age. But now watching it in my like late 30s, I'm like, this is a child running through the desert naked because he's only in his late teens, early 20s. So technically a naked adult running through the desert and obviously terrified, looking over their shoulder. And we move on to Warwick and Grissom at the scene where we're very much led to believe that this was the person just running through the desert naked yeah and there's a i have a funny note here if you remember i don't know if it's the first episode or the second episode there's a scene with chrisom and he picks up he's looking at a body and he identifies the age by the stage of the maggots that are growing on it first first episode he's like larva pupa stage three or whatever this guy's been dead for for three days and he looks at it and he just goes maggots and i go wait grissom what what stage are you how old is this body these, <laughs> you you know this i know you know this because you've already used it once don't worry these maggots have more to say later on in the episode they do they do play a fairly crucial role in this episode so they find maggot they question was he being chased they can't really seem to figure that out from the footprints but it does appear that he was looking over his shoulder have, and then oh, i have sorry, a lot of feelings about this scene that i don't know if we should dump into now but okay it's when when I rewatched it and I know how the episode ends, I was like, "Wait, what? what like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't. It doesn't. It's very. As the person who is trying to make predictions, I just want to say there should be a lot more very obvious evidence that they gloss over. I forget. There's something. There's like a one throwaway line. I think they worked in there at the end and i and, and my guess is like like oh yeah like oh well it's hard there's something he says something he says well it's hard to tell like were there other people here or something oh it's hard to tell yeah, even though actually there's like super well-defined footprints for this guy who just died uh, and like this one's turned out and this one's straight and and then when you get to the end of the episode and and they sort of show you the final reenactment. I'm like, wait. Well, I didn't think it at that time, but then when I rewatched it like two days later, I was like, wait, where's all that evidence? <laughs> Nowhere to be found. Nowhere yeah. to be found. And Grissom states that fear is the cause of death, which seems yes. very non Grissom y to say. Mr. Science, Mr. Follow the Evidence, all of a sudden is like, yeah. fear killed him. They bring that back up again later, which is Yes, funny. they do. We go to our intro credits, and then we pop on over to Grissom in like a lab slash 
office. He is seemingly trying to do some sort of experiment or investigate something. He gets a phone call. He gets very aggravated at the phone call. Then the team walks in. They need their assignments. And I do enjoy that Catherine basically had to step up and be the boss in this scene Mm -hmm. and tell Grissom, ignore the phone give us our assignments like we have work to do let's get on with it so they do a little walk and talk in the hallway grissom gives out the assignments so catherine is to take nick over to a school sarah's gonna go uh investigate a body found in a dumpster and then he and warwick are obviously on the desert the desert case yep which leads us into warwick and grissom in the morgue and they're talking about how the elements, you know, can eat away at the evidence when the body is found in the desert. And the the coroner mentions that the kid is dry as a bone, but not from exposure. Yeah, they have this thing where it was actually hard to follow at first. But then because like Grissom has this weird, mysterious rhyme that he then pulls out of his butt as well. Oh, but that happens a little later. Yeah, the, the implication yeah. is that like this this kid was dehydrated or dried out in some way prior to dying. Yes, and I'm sure I'm, you, you can't say that there would be no effect from exactly. hours in the in the sun, but right. because remember it's the graveyard shift, so this is at least almost 24 hours, you know, or 12 hours after dawn. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. so, but that's the, yeah, the, the timing was weird. They have this weird thing where there's like some bo- dead bodies they know about, but no one's been sent out yet. But Warwick and Grissom, Grissom. have already seen a body. I, I, I just chalked that up to like, you're going to sort of set the pace for the show. Yes. Yeah. Um, don't, don't dive, don't, yeah, yeah. don't dive too deep into but it. I, but, but, but there are a few things in this episode where they do, they do start to sort of address some stuff, but it's always kind of like, wait, what's going on? I, I'm like, I'm like enamored by like the, the behind the scenes, like in the in world behind the scenes of like, like what's going on with the department? Who's in charge? Is Grissom still? In-? And so they they have a little bit. Of, I think uh, the the scene with Grissom where he's doing stuff. They talk about like the calls and it's all the he's getting overwhelmed by the administrative. Yes, that was the duties. scene right before. Is that he's getting very overwhelmed okay. by the like politics and the paperwork that comes it's along like, with the job. Like, Just let me solve a crime or something, right? Right. And then and so like. It's good that they brought that up because, like, you know, as a new watcher of this series, I was like, what? I don't really understand what happened with that. They they don't they didn't really address it. So that's good. Yeah. But so they're in the, the morgue. Mm-hmm. And well, I'll let you go because I, I, I'm not entirely sure. But there's something that, ha- that is a conversation that happens in the morgue that I have a, a pretty big comment on. Okay, so I'm not sure if it's... There, there's quite a few scenes in the morgue. So I don't know if it's a scene or it's going to be a later one. But they Grissom advises Warwick to tox the maggots because they are fridges, essentially. So they feasted on the body and they're storing what was in the body inside their little bodies. And so the best way to find out if the victim had, you know, consumed something would be to tox the maggots. So... Yeah, yeah so the, I think he uses the term Benihana, which is, I think, the California term for, like, what's that, Japanese flat top? krill what do you oh to... i totally missed this so i must yeah. have like just heard it and just it's not like a... even recognized yeah. it and so just let it fly like over chop... my head so they're implying like you chop them up oh, okay okay 
I didn't. It took me a second to figure that out. But Grissom, so Grissom's like, whatever you find in the maggots killed this kid. There's like a line, a quote. But right before that, Warwick but was fear, like, but fear killed him. So yeah, there's that because of a Warwick had a thing. It's like he said, I said my money's on suffocating, and he does a a mouth swab, right? And that's I think I on second watch they realize like how much foreshadowing is in this scene. Yes, there's quite uh, a bit to a scene that happens with Catherine later. She has a great line she's talking to nick and like like grissom isn't always right and right. that's sort of the theme this underlying theme of this episode and i kudos to them for setting that up here i i've forgotten that work talked about suffocation which is one of the which is the way they say he dies yes spoiler alert uh, <laughs> Spo- spoiler alert if you haven't seen this episode that came out in 2000 yes Just... our, our normal spoiler no spoiler alert warning Yep. Is yeah, so he gets suffocated. So like Warwick was right, but he also is like, Well, nope, Grissom says whatever killed the maggot killed the kid. Yeah, so, and so they just start beelining down that line of thought and the and there's kind of a bumpy case for them, I think. Yes. In some parts of the result. I mean there's a lot of bits and pieces that come together in the end, but on second watch through I I clocked that that conversation. I went, Wow, wow, that's really good. I didn't even like that's a that's great for like if you were reading a book. Like, you'd be like, oh, this author is really good foreshadowing. So we move on over to Warwick dissecting the maggots alongside of Sanders. And they kind of put this as a throwaway line, but I thought it was important to highlight that Sanders is talking to Warwick about betting. And Warwick has said that he hasn't placed a bet in a month. Uh, And they just kind of like slide it in there and then move past it. But I want to I want to highlight this for for reasons. Oh, not uh, in this episode. Kristen is in the room during this conversation, which I don't think I I knew right away the first time watching. Oh, it. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, there it's still it's like continue. Grissom is in the room. And they it has like a little bit of like conversation here or there. I mean, Grissom certainly knows that. Grissom knows all the details probably more than Sanders does. But but it was kind of like it was a great way to say like you know here's Warwick still allegedly on the wagon. Right. Yes. Yes. Because he said, like, oh, I still get the itch. That was, I think, the thing that was important. So, uh, Warwick says, like, he still has the itch to bet, to gamble. And so, but his boss is also in the room. Yeah. Yeah. So, another CSI effect that they get immediately get the results from toxin. Oh, the maggot. Oh, yeah. Immediate. It, like, they dissect the maggot seconds. and then it's like, boop, and it comes right out of Jimson weed, which yeah. I put as ginseng weed at first. And then I, oh, yeah. later on in the episode, I was like, oh, no, they're saying, they're not saying ginseng. Like, I was like, okay, I, no, I, I had, totally heard that wrong. I had no idea what they were talking about there. And I have I, captions on, which is probably the only reason I finally figured it out, is that I always watch everything with captions on. That's good. That's a good Caption, idea. Captions is the way to go. We... Yeah. There's like so... There's like, this is so fast. I, I guess I didn't write that down, but I remember thinking about it at the time, like, oh, here we go. 15 seconds. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. Like, no way. No way. Gas. I don't think any... I, I, if you had a machine even today, 20 years later, that could do gas spectrometry in 15 seconds, you probably could be a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. So CSI effect in in full effect here we pop on over to sarah at the dumpster she's looking at the body and notes that the body is glazed like a donut yeah (laughs) which comes back later it's important and we go to sarah and i don't know if they i think they introduce him later again because i've seen this series so many times i know who this is this is david he is the coroner's assistant oh is he is he around a lot 
He, uh-huh. yes, he is. He also, because I'm not one to hog all the spotlight, if anyone's looking for an additional CSI podcast, the gentleman who plays David is the co-host of a CSI podcast called CS I Love You Podcast, or CS I Love Podcast. Uh-huh. I think it's CS I Love You Podcast. Uh-huh. And it's fun. It's a really it's a really fun podcast. So if you're looking for more CSI content, go check out the actor who plays David. He's the co-host of it. Um, yes. He co-hosts it with somebody else who will eventually show up on the show who's not in the show right now. Does he, does he get aggressive in the podcast? No. No, he does not. No, he's, he's, he comes across as a very nice gentleman. Doesn't lose the glasses and the lab coat. No. Well, I mean... I will say that I've only listened to the podcast, so if they have a YouTube component that shows them talking, I have not seen what he looks like yeah. since the show ended. So maybe he I'm has, just, and I'm just not aware. Ref- referring to Sarah's line here, when she's like, are you hitting on me? Yes. If you want to score some chicks, here's some advice. And it's, all, ter- it's all terrible advice. It's all was- awful, terrible advice. It's all change yourself so to get a partner instead of like, hey, find someone who's interested in you for you and that you don't have to entirely change yourself to make them happy. Yeah, becoming more predatory is not the appropriate way to find No, no. Match. That's who are you? A CSI podcast does not condone aggressive pursuing. Yeah. No matter your identity and your interest identity. Yes, uh, agreed. It's not good advice. No, it is not good advice. <laughs> So they realize that the woman has a certain substance on her, like bio, biotone arterial, I think is what I jotted down. And this lets them know that she was embalmed. Yeah, she, she died. And then they run. Yeah, they found out her parts. funeral was last week and her name is Stephanie Reyes. Again, yeah. a CSI effect. You magically within like five seconds of bringing the body into the more, you know, exactly who she is but it's stephanie reyes her funeral was last week so further further investigation will be required maybe in like uh, 10 more years police officers will just be able to use their cell phone take a picture of some dude's hand and like chat chat gpt fingerprint edition will just like tell we'll just immediately know it but like today but that's still yeah they were just like oh yeah we have her finger hand so then we instantly know yeah, CSI effect. We move to Catherine at the school. Nick is already there. We learn that the victim is the Dean, Vernon Woods. Uh, there's a lot of blood spatter. We're introduced to Kate Armstrong, who is the founder of the school. She gives her account of what happens, which is that the victim was being handsy and attacked her. She grabbed the closest thing she could, only hit him once. Yeah, she... she claims to have a very foggy men memory not that yes. that's gonna help her at all later but and she's like oh so he's like if that's what you say and I, I thought that that would be more relevant but they never really she never really plays up that defense no later on. no you do see like it's all kind of like happening at once but you do see like the body yes in the scene mm-hmm. and I after you've watched the episode and the second time through again I was like wait what because like it's not actually staged the way that they 
that you would expect the scene to be staged. So maybe uh, maybe not enough coordination between the props department and the writers and on this episode. But I'll save that. But remember that this fact for later is that you can actually see him lying on the ground and you see blood splatter all over the room. All over the place. Yep. Catherine lets Kate know that she definitely hit him more than once. And later on, when Nick and Catherine are talking, Catherine says that Kate is heavy on the BS, but Catherine seems amped. She thinks that they drew the best case. She's looking forward to this and tells Nick to string it, which we learn pretty soon afterwards what that means. But that's a, that's a, that's a little montage for a little bit later. We have Jim Brass talking to Bobby, who is our spot the guest star yes, of the this week. Is, this is a very big spot the guest star. Very big. I think this is definitely, I would say this is our biggest spot the guest star to date. I will say that I spent way too long in this episode being like, oh my God, who is that? Like, yeah, like, how do I know why him? Is, why is this person so familiar? <laughs> and there was like one scene later where his hair is different a little and the lighting is better. And I'm like, oh my God, is that... And then and I went to Google. So uh, uh, Milo Ventimiglia, yes. who I am very familiar with because of his role in the Heroes, Heroes. TV shirt. But the average Same. person today would know him from This Is Us, which is a pretty big NBC TV yes. show in the last five or six years or something. But yeah, he's in the show. And I will also say throughout this episode... He's like the best acted guest star they've had so far. Oh, he's great. Which is probably why he made it. Yes, he and does. He does a very good job. He has a he has a wide range in this episode, and I feel that he does a good job with all of it. So he's in there asking about his friend Eric. They then and again, I think because I'm so much older watching this now, they're like, "Well, can you ID the body?" And I'm like, "Why are you asking this child to ID a body? He's probably 22 20 years old years or like something, that. you know." But again, yeah. now watching this as I near my 40s, I'm like, "Why would you let a child?" identify this body and then i'm like all right he's a, he's legally an adult i need to stop this one of the one of the hallmarks of this show is the csi people are often doing the job of the detectives oh yes and it's just like because being in the lab all the time not that interesting of a show but i'm thinking like this kid shows up he wants to file a missing person report yes and somehow somebody knows to send him to the csi people who know that this that this could be the person, because they hadn't ID'd the body at all. No, they had right? no idea who it was. And no. so it's just like random kid shows up with a missing friend. Oh, you've got a John Doe. Let's just send him down to the CSI guys and let them figure it out. And so it was like, it, it was a, a good example of that. But yeah, they're like, oh, just, I, I actually thought it was a kind of abrupt too, right? I just think they're not good at asking people. Like their tact, is their bedside mannerisms basically are not great in this no. show. No. So they bring Bobby in. He IDs Eric. He cries. So we, we get a first look at his emotional right. range in this episode. Warwick then brings in the tox results and lets Grissom know that they found Jimson weed in the maggots. We then go to our montage, which I'm curious to find out if you enjoyed this montage as much as the episode, the last episode's montage, I... where Nick is just stringing this whole scene up and we're getting some close-ups of nick and we're getting him mission impossibling over the string <laughs> as he's putting new string up. 
Yeah, he has all these different color-coded strings, and they didn't really explain how the string went, but I, I, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as it didn't have the great soundtrack that the last mm, one had. That's true. However, that's true. I did write in my notes that this is a real classic forensics. Like, I don't know. This feels like... I've had a lot of, like, technical forensics, right? What is the, the million-dollar needle, or they had, like, the 15-second gas spectrometry yes you know they even had like the weird stuff that grissom buys off ebay but this is like everybody's seen this and in like an older show or something right blood spatter strings figure out the source i thought it was i thought it was great a great time to bring it in yes good job and actually does this show predate dexter yes i think it does i believe this episode because it's really the first season so i think it does i believe it does but so Catherine comes in, they're talking about the insights that they gathered from the stringing. They realize the majority of the blows were actually when the victim was on the ground. And they also note that there is a void on the back wall, meaning that somebody else was in the room. Let's try ba, it. Ba, ba. I do not believe this void existed in the earlier scene. It may have, though. That's not the... It may. The I, did not, I did not pay attention enough to yeah. actually notice that, I, so I can't, no, I can't I didn't, comment. I didn't write down... They did. They didn't. But one of the other things I was thinking about was like they didn't like spend a lot of time with the body there to like look around the room. But like if there was a big void on this wall, right? Mm-hmm. When they were in here before, and they had suspects in here before, why didn't they talk to them about it at that point? It was really obvious. Like in because the scene, because that's not because that's not fun for dramatic effect. Yeah. Okay. It's not that's fun fine. for dramatic effect. <laughs> You're trying the to get other, way too technical the, here. The other one is the, the, the <laughs> later on we get to the Dean's shirt. And yes. The, and the image of the shirt that they show when he's lying on the scene, that is not the same shirt they show later. <laughs> <laughs> there is no outline or any of the evidence that they use pulled later. It's like, how would I ever be able to predict this? I was like, so as the person who's trying to predict stuff, the uh, the miscon the, like the the missing links like when they like don't have something it makes it very difficult right because i'm often looking for these things that are a little i'm like trying to be extra yeah and they're like know, no, we're not giving it to you and then it's like nope we are just going to pretend that this existed earlier than it didn't i actually went back in the middle of the episode and went back like how did i miss that and i'm 30 minutes in and i went back and watched rewatch that scene and i was like I didn't. It just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. So. Yep. We yeah. go to work in Grissom with Bobby. This is the beginning of a dare ad where Bobby says that the drug was, thought it was safe. You know, they were, it was natural. They were just drinking some tea. And then they scan him and they find the stamp from the rave on his hand and it's dj master band's stamp which comes up pretty pretty soon and we head on over to what i think is probably storyline c like poor sarah got stuck with storyline c in this in this episode huh but she is solo she is solo so she's at she's at the graveyard talking to the attendant the attendant is saying grave robbing happens that's probably like that must be what how the body was you know found in the dumpster and they go over to her grave and there's no no casket in the grave and Hmm. i i thought when there was grave robbing they only took the body and the attendant is trying to play this off as like oh maybe the coffin was really expensive and so they took the coffin the casket as well so sarah uh... fairly asks do you sell caskets yeah 
And he tells her yes, and that they'll they'll do a showing for her. A viewing or something. Yeah. Yes, a viewing. It's a great, a great way to re because that's usually the term you use when like there's a a dead body. Yes, a viewing. So a viewing. So I yep. that was on purpose. I definitely read. I so I read to this point, and it's like this guy definitely dug up his own casket. <laughs> but they like kept digging, like as if they're gonna find Boiler something. Alert. Right. And like, he didn't even like, she said like, you're eight feet down or something. Like, what are you doing? Cause like normally you dig down six feet, you put a casket in and then you put dirt on it. Yes. Right. So like, if you've dug down eight feet, you're actually like four feet below where you expect to find the casket. Yeah. And it's like, clearly you knew this wasn't here and you're just waiting for the other person to say something. Yeah. To be so like, there's you, no, there's no casket. What's going on? You don't have to like feel like, Oh, where did it go? And then in the end he's like, Oh, well this one must've been inlaid. Wait, if you're like in charge of all this, wouldn't you, and this happened like a week ago, like, wouldn't you have known that if you sold, think. like if you sold it, you, and it was like really expensive and valuable, you would have been like, Oh, this, you know? So at this point I was like, this dude, he's the dude, yeah. dude. but there's no murder here. Right. He's just like, okay. Dude. And all I could think is like, the one hesitation I had was, do you not cremate people? Do you know how much easier it would be to dump a pile of ash? Yeah, that it would uh, be maybe, a full body. Yeah. But I also realized, I had this moment where I was like, you know, I know I know this is pre-Katrina, so maybe gas prices weren't so outrageous. But like, I have no idea how much it actually costs to burn a body. Like, it, I think it costs it could... a lot, and I don't think it's great for the environment either. Well, I mean, I don't know how bad it is for the environment. Like when you decompose, it's, all that stuff is still going to get into the atmosphere just slowly. But uh, although probably not as volatilely, but I think the thing I was thinking was like, if it takes like 12 hours, like that might not be something that's easy to do yeah. quietly. And I was like, I actually have no idea how long it takes, how long it takes or how much it takes. And so I was like, oh, maybe it's a lot more involved. Than Feel I free think, to hit so. us up on social media and, and let us know if you know the answer to this, yeah. to this question. Uh, we... But yeah, oh. so that's my first, that's realistically my first prediction. Is, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote uh, funeral home digging up caskets. Question mark. Question. Mark. <laughs> prediction. That was the prediction number one. We moved to Grissom's office. Work comes in with the mouth swab results from his initial. I I think maybe suffocation is playing yep. into this, and oh, yeah. so he comes in and says, you know, they found some standard stuff, but then they also found like traces of aluminum, and like that yeah. was strange. Yeah, traces of aluminum, and then they're like. Let's pull a list of products containing aluminum. Yes. Because, you know, da. that's a short list. Have you have you ever drank a soda can? I think there have was you... I think there was other ingredients that I'm not remembering that came back yeah. in the results that also played into this. I was also but aluminum like, was the only one I remembered. I was also thinking like powdered aluminum is a much different thing than like... Yeah, uh, then... Because your aluminum can isn't turning to dust. I that hope stuff not. Stuff last... That, that will last... I mean, I drink, I drink out of bottles for the most part, but... You know, I like yeah. a good, I like a good beer in a can here, anyone, here and again. Potentially anyone working in a fabrication shop also, but yeah, maybe they had other things. They, and they do the, use this to identify something later on. Yes, they do. It's not really nefarious or anything at first either. It's very matter no. of fact. No, just he's just coming like, in, bringing the results, stating the results. We don't, we're not led yeah. to believe it's really much of anything until it comes back later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. We move on over to uh, Catherine and Nick interviewing Kate. She admits that she had a friend with her, Julia Eastman. We then very quickly move to Catherine Nick interrogating Julia. She says, yep, I was there, but I was just acting as a witness to the sexual come-ons, you know, from the dean. Catherine, again, is kind of, actually, I think maybe Nick said this line, blood never lies. I can't remember who said it. I, I wrote the line down. I didn't oh. wrote 
I didn't write who said it, but one of one of them basically told Julia, "You're full of it. The blood mm-hmm. is telling a different story." And then Julia well, says that she needs a break. There was like a there was like the hole in the wall, right? Which was her. Yes. Yes. Right. And like yes. that part was true, but then it was like when they got into like the question of like the multiple hits and they, that's they when it was like falling. Theory, yeah, they had this whole theory about. Well, like, and it was also they knew that. The, most of one... the most of the wounds came when he was on the ground. Yes. So how was one woman, you know, if Julia was just up against the wall the whole time, how was one woman able to subdue this much larger man and bludgeon him on the ground without assistance? Spoiler alert. In the final reenactment, one single woman with one hand is holding him down. So spoiler alert. Yes. We do actually get the final reenactment where only one girl is holding him down with one hand. And yes. that's what actually ends up happening. So their premise is not really accurate to how they later portray it happening. But, but I think the yes, I think the point she is was still lying. But I think the point was one was holding him down while one was bludgeoning, not that yes. one person was holding him down and bludgeoning at the same time. Certainly two hands to bludgeon with is a far more effective bludgeon. Yes. We pop on over to a rave, which, oh, early 2000s. This was a, whew, this is a callback. I never went to a rave in the early 2000s. I never went to one. I just... But I don't think they look I, like that. I definitely wore a lot of those bracelets. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely had some of those bracelets back in the day. And I had to make a note where I just find it hilarious that Grissom does all this studying. He seems, you know, he's doing genius level crossword puzzles. He doesn't know what E is. He doesn't understand the effects of ecstasy. Doesn't totally foreign to him. No. And I'm not saying you have to take the drug to know it. I've never taken ecstasy in my life. I know the effects of ecstasy on other people. Yeah, well, he's a uh, stand-in for the audience. He is. He is. So and comic relief, right? Because Yes, it I'm it is it is it is such chuckle-worthy. Could not care less that a cute young girl is like telling him that they love it. he's like Yes. And he's please like, please get out of my way. Yeah, what he's like I'm trying to do a job here, ma'am, please. Don't, hashtag don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. So Bobby spots the dealer. They kind of rush over because Bobby immediately starts attacking yeah, him. He's, he's like, he's like ready to like charge in. <laughs> yep. He goes charging in and the dealer seems fairly unfazed. And the thought process is that, you know, if you're going to break the law, no law. He knows the law. He's not, he's not worried about them really going to have anything serious on him. This dealer is quite the character. He is quite the character. They really, this is like built for the dare program. How like terrible they make this guy. Not that I'm saying drug dealers are good. Well, I'm not here to pass moral judgment on drug dealers. Let's just say that. And so we go to Grissom investigating the dealer's car. They, he finds what we are led to believe are Jim, Jimson seeds. I keep wanting to pronounce that wrong. Jimson seeds. And Grissom tells Mr. Drug Dealer that they're going to get him for murder. Yeah. So they're going to get you for murder he's like, again. He gets really Mr. Fall hard, the Evidence is really, real really jumping ahead. <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. What happened to even keel and don't let the personal stuff into the job? Because I, I yeah, actually you, don't know. They, he just had a serious yeah. conversation with Catherine about this. Yep. And I was like, I wrote Psycho Grissom. And someone, <laughs> and also... Someone just died in the last episode as a result of this. Yeah. And so it's like... It's this like should a be a full, lesson learned. A but, I mean, as a new watcher of this show, there's a lot of interesting things going on with Grissom's character in this episode. There's this scene, and then there's a later scene. It might be, like, very 
soon after where he's like, there's three types of things I can't stand. Yeah, I don't know when that, I didn't, I didn't write down what scene that happens in, but I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and then the last scene of the episode, and I was like, I think we're supposed to, as a, a be sort of drawing some conclusions about Grissom's past. I guess I've finally written out a full backstory for him, and they're ready to start uh, laying some of this out, so... I imagine that there are some 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 things I that you probably know, Lauren, and people who are fans of the show know that I don't know yet. So uh, hopefully you guys are all sitting at home, giddy, being like, "Oh, wait till he finds out." Just wait till <laughs> wait until he sees. Which which I do encourage. Yes. So we move on over to Grissom with the coroner. They realize that Eric drank the worst of the Jimson. The well, they hypothesize. Like, yes. I don't even know. No. It must have had the dregs or, or the dregs of it. Know? Yeah, he had like the last bottoms of the the yeah. tea the teacup, and they are able to make. Um, I don't know if this is when they make the match or they. I think they're going to try to they, see if they, they can make a DNA seed. match of the pods of the seeds to the pods that they pulled from the drug dealer's car. But they also realize in this scene that the drug level was too low to kill him. So he did not yeah. die from a direct result of the Jimson. I, I think they say like they can't prove the DNA because of the part of the plant that they have. But yeah, like, I think this is when like, they talk about tr- I think this is when they talk about trying to do it yeah, and then yeah. they realize later that they can't. Yeah, so the, the, but yeah, the toxicity level isn't quite there. Yeah, and we move to back to storyline C with Solo Sarah looking, checking out the caskets. There's a worker there saying he's already paid his off. It was ten thousand dollars. I thought that was the coroner at first. Oh, did, did you? Like, you were like, "What scene? is going on?" This is a different guy with glasses. It's a, it's a different guy. <laughs> this is a different guy. And so Sarah, you know, is saying, "Well, you know, if you buy one, it's yours, right?" And the workers kind of giving her a side eye and yeah obviously it's you know it's a one it's a one use one one time use sort of purchase and sarah goes she's looking in one of the caskets she goes gets a lint roller and then she pulls it up and she's like then what are all these people doing in there so i do people viewing the casket sarah like if i my hair falls out of my head like if i look over a casket my hair can very easily fall out of my head (laughs) I, i have thick hair I shed a lot of hair on a day-to-day also, basis. <laughs> also, I'm definitely the kind of person I would want to lay down in the casket if I was buying one. Ooh, good and question. If you have, like, would I want to lie model? down in the casket? Like, if you were going to sell, like, floor mount, like, this guy who bought, who's in the scene bought one already. Right. You don't, you don't think he tried it out? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so if there's a floor mount, I think that there is a line of evidence that you can prove and you can get to the point to know that, but they kind of cut that corner. Yeah. Right? This is sort of, they, they really have a small budget for this storyline there's only yeah this scenes. again this is this and is what i'm it, saying storyline c for sure yeah yeah 100 percent. i in agreement so yeah that was i was just kind of like uh it's a little it's like that's a great intuitive jump but that that is by no stretch of the means solved evidence no no we head back to main case storyline a mm-hmm. with grissom and warwick in the hallway they have this long conversation about how evidence can be a double-edged sore but evidence only knows the truth grissom tells this whole big spider story in which long long and short of it is that bad things happen when one life tries to impose itself on another and we can't impose ourselves on the evidence we just have to 
follow the evidence, which is, okay, Grissom, but you're the one who hasn't been following the evidence most of this case. Like, I'm glad yeah. that we've arrived at this conclusion together, but you you are kind of the one that hasn't, who hasn't been there. You and then killed. the dealer, the dealer dances out. The dealer, oh, yeah. dealer does a little, little victory dance little out of du- the... Double thumbs to the back. Yep. To his name, Ethan. Ethan. So Ethan, um, Ethan heads out, and we move to Catherine and Nick uh, discussing what they know about the, the case, and then they realize that the one thing that they're missing is the blood on Julia's clothes, but conveniently enough, she burned them. She burned the clothes because the blood wouldn't, couldn't get the blood out of them. So, And then they realize, blood. well, there's plenty of blood on Mr. Wood's shirt, so let's go take a look-see at that piece of evidence, which for some reason we were ignoring and before. We- we probably have like 35 photos of because we take photos of bodies at crime yep, scenes. Yeah. But we're going to break it out and yep. draw and draw on the evidence back. Yep. Yep. And we move to Grissom talking to Bobby, letting him know that the Jimson tea is not what killed Eric. And then Bobby talks about a quote unquote spider bite on his arm, which Grissom tells him this bite is not from an insect. Yeah. Dun, so dun, dun. also really interesting. I didn't clock this the first time through, but when the very first scene with Bobby, when he's talking to them, he is actually scratching his arm. Yes. And there's a scene and, after they pull him off of the drug dealer at the rave. Grissom like grabs him, like not in an aggressive manner, but Grissom like grabs him to move him out. And he goes, ooh, because Grissom oh, grabs him like on the arm and he's like, ooh, and yeah. he kind of makes like a noise. So they do kind of reference this earlier on that that's, this was, that's this was actor, something that was going to come up. That's an actor who has read his script and then he's... He's on putting it. all these things in here. Good going, Milo. That's what his character would do. Best uh, I spot didn't, the guest star to date. I did make two predictions at this point because okay. I felt like I really wasn't sure where Sterling A and B were going. And we were getting kind of late. I was like, I need to make predictions at some point. So unfortunately, Storyline A, I just wrote that. I think the kids just got really high and Bobby killed his friend and doesn't remember. Which is not wrong. It's not wrong. It has none of the specifics of of what actually happens. I mean, we're not it, we're not here to grade your to grade your guesses. The guess is correct. And for the storyline B, I just said the dean is creepy, so they planned like a killing of him and staged it to be like like I had to fight back because they didn't want to upset the donors because she made a big deal about yeah the he's a great all fundraiser. Like, I like this guy and it never comes up again, and so that really was a little less than accurate. And there's a whole involvement with the through the two ladies that have yes. That I had no, I don't even think I'd figured it out yet. There was like one moment where I was raising an eyebrow, but it, was, it wasn't really clear. So I, those are not my finest predictions, but I needed to write something. And I will say, though, that I'll be really curious to hear your thoughts on this episode at the end. Because okay. much more so than other episodes, I feel like there was a lot of like new, oh, new piece of information, new piece of information. Yes. And so, but it felt very, it felt like they really are in their groove for the weaving the storylines together and stuff. I agree. So at this point, I was like, I feel like we're, once they had the, the bite in the arm, I was like, I, I was like, well, I feel like I didn't really have a prediction until now. And now I have a ton of information like that I didn't have 30 seconds ago. So, so I was yes. like, let me stop and make predictions on, and reflect on everything. And then I was like, all right, the coroner still did it too. Because, like, there's, like, nothing new has happened in that whole storyline. <laughs> it's just slowly revealing that the coroner... They're just constantly going back to, yes, the coroner is digging up 
and reselling caskets. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go to Grissom talking to the coroner about the bite. He's kind of having an existential crisis here because he doesn't like where the evidence is leading him. He thinks the bite might be human. Warwick comes in and crazy enough, the substance that they found in Eric's mouth was from fireworks and Bobby works at a firework company. So this is when Grissom orders a mold of Eric's teeth and an impression of the bite mark on Bobby's arm. Yeah, I was still thinking that they like got in a fight. I should have remembered at that point the suffocation comment from Warwick earlier. Yeah, earlier. Right. And then I guess I didn't know the fireworks, but the aluminum, I probably could have figured out the aluminum and the fireworks thing if I was thinking about it, because aluminum is very common in fireworks. Yeah. But they, they did a good job setting up the information. I just didn't really That's all right. get there. We go to Catherine and Nick interviewing Julia. Kate's there. Like, all of a sudden, they're yeah. just interviewing them in the same room. I, w- I had to put a note where I was like, why Why is Kate in the room with Julia? They're, this is not normally how this goes, but a dramatic effect. So they ask her to make a fist, and she can't put her pinky finger down because she sprained it at at tennis because oh, yeah. oh, they, they, they asked her to make a fist like they're like this yeah, yeah. they said they were gonna i say this i say this to the audience who's listening to us on audio yeah, yeah, yeah. alone yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, Catherine, making the fist from the episode Catherine holds your hand out which is important <laughs> which is interesting because Catherine holds her ungloved hand out and then you know goes through a motion of closing five fingers one at a time yeah they did say they were going to have them both do it but we only see julia but once they get to julia she can't she can't do it close her pinky finger and then she says she sprained it during tennis. Yeah. And then Nick pulls a splint out of his pocket. Yes. And says, like, it's much better if you have one of these. So we see the actual reenactment of the crime, wherein that Julia is holding him down. Well, like, he gets hit on the head the one time. He falls. Then Julia holds him down while Kate pummels him. And that's and show, the actual reenactment. I think Nick puts it on his pinky, the splint, and then holds it on the shirt. Yes, to show. So, yeah, they pull out the shirt, and Catherine's wearing gloves all of a sudden. Which <laughs> I guess, I guess you, they wanted to be fast. Like, bam, I've got the shirt, and bam, my hand fits in this spot, which clearly had to have a splint on, splint on it, but she must have had to stop to put gloves on. Yes. <laughs> because seconds seconds prior, she hadn't had them. But they, but yeah, so like, I think and then that, they show the reenactment. Yep. And again, that's where you see there's just this one light, light, it's the worst job I've ever seen somebody do holding someone down in my life she's just like please stay down the reenactment acting might be like Razzie award winning (laughs) between this and the the kid who knocked his teeth out oh gosh Yeah, that was, I I would say that one's probably worse still. Catherine says that this isn't over, you know, so then they're holding hands, right? They get up and they're holding, they very pointedly are holding hands. Yeah. And then they they get walked. Yes. And then they walk, they get walked out of the room. Catherine says this isn't over. Nick following in Grissom's shoes is saying it's not our job to know why. And this is Nick, what you were talking about earlier, where Catherine very pointedly says to Nick, Grissom doesn't know. Grissom isn't always right. Yeah. Which not only is it like, did we have this foreshadowed a little bit, right? But like now she's saying it and I think we're about to pop into the scene, right? Where they kind of start solving storyline A. We uh no we move we have a very quick sure, interlude like we're, into we're really, Sarah into storyline C. Yeah, yeah, but we're getting very close to it. But like, you know what yes. I mean? Like they're setting up. Like you're supposed to be thinking about that. Like Grissom isn't always right. That's right. Grissom thought it was this thing. The t- we have this whole story about the agency and the, you know what I mean. And then now it's now all the signs are pointing back to 
Borg's original idea, right? Yes, yes. We go on over to Sarah, and this is the the reveal that the attendant is selling timeshare coffins. Not not that the people buying them know this, but that's what his business model is. So she lets him know that if she ran the prints on like the tarp, that she'd be able to prove that it was him. He is trying to say, basically, cut me a break. This is a really cutthroat business. So she gives him some demands and then thankfully ends it with, I'm getting the DA involved. I'm like, I'm glad that like somebody is involved. Like you're not just making like, cause she's like, okay, pay to have her buried like at a proper place. Don't do this anymore. I'm like, you don't have the authority. And then she's like, and then the DA is going to be involved. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad that somebody is getting involved in this conversation. Well, she's like, and then I'll let the DA run the table, which is like, the guy's not going to do those other things now that you've told him you're still turning him in. But he needs to be turned in though. That that was the right thing to do. No, they're we... gonna, they need to do like the uh, audio from the last episode where they, they need to just, she may need a little bit more evidence. But I'm sure they'll they'll work on that. They'll work on it. They'll work on it. We cut to Catherine and a detective talking. The detective ran some information on Kate, found out that she was making payments to Woods. So Catherine believes that she was paying him off and wants to know why. So they interrogate Kate, wherein they find out that Kate and Julia are in a romantic relationship together. And he was going to expose them and not even just expose them in the sense of hey this is a lesbian couple because they both said like oh it's a more progressive time like we can you know we can live out as a couple that's okay so his retort was that he was going to let everyone know that he caught them having sex on school grounds and he alludes and to that's what they done... that's what they would not have been able to come back from is the accusation that they were having sex on school grounds he alludes to this maybe like being a thing at another school that he worked at yes and then he's like i'm gonna go make a phone call and then whoop, they have a whole reenactment. Yes. Final reenactment. And Catherine was asking, you know, why'd have to come down to this? And Nick was like, oh, it, it, you know, it didn't. And Catherine is, again, I think, looking at this from a more human perspective and saying, maybe they didn't have a choice. Like, it's easy it's easy for us to sit here and say that they had a choice. But, like, did they really have a choice? I mean, you always have a choice over murder. <laughs> I know, but, but I get what she's trying to... They, they they were in a bad place. They were in a bad place. There was there was not good options unfairly. available to them. If you ever find yourself in a bad place, you're being treated unfairly. The solution is not to kill people, though. That's true. That's true. That's we do not we do not advice. we do not condone murder as the solution here at Who Are You a CSI podcast. Almost anywhere. Yeah, we go to Jim Brass with Bobby, who we assume is his attorney, and Grissom and Warwick. And Grissom gives the rundown as to what he thinks happened. So he was saying that Eric was suffering from photophobia wherein lights freak you out. So he was running away from the rave because the lights at the rave were freaking him out. He was scared. He was hallucinating. The Jimson weed was also raising his body temperature. So he was boiling. That's why he stripped down and was running through the desert naked. And he explains that he thinks that Bobby was suffering from auditory hallucinations, which is also a side effect of the Jimson weed and so he in in his attempt to muffle Eric and stop the sound he killed him yeah and they talk about how the traces of aluminum in Eric's mouth matches the fireworks from Bobby's workplace and then Grissom shows him the mold of Eric's teeth perfectly fitting into the bite that he took of the impression on Bobby's arm and Grissom starts this whole thing they they have this thing like Oh, was it aggressive 
Or is it self-defense? And I guess yes. like, well, I th- I'm hoping it's self-defense. And then he just, like, takes off with this, like, oh, your friend, he must have been suffering this side effect. And you must have been suffering this side effect. And then this one thing must have a- happened, which is, like, a lot of jumps and leaps. Yes. I think the lawyer pipes up at one point and says, like, we'll be pleading diminished capacity. Depends, but I was yep. like, I would be negotiating for a plea deal at this point because... I, at first off, he doesn't even know. He has zero recall. But also, it would be very difficult to convince a bunch of random people on a jury that this that everything that Grissom said happened. Yeah, exactly right? the way he said it happened. Yeah, when when they're like, apparently there weren't even another set of footprints at the scene because to flash right. back to the first scene, they didn't find any. They couldn't identify anyone else, and so they can't even. You know, those guys could have had a fight at any point during the night. Yes. No, nobody know remembers or were no eyewitnesses. And that guy could have just been running himself to death in the in the desert, irrespective of any suffocation. They never even really identified, like, oh, he suffocated to death earlier in the episode. So it's not like they have evidence that that's how he died. He just sort of dropped dead. Yes. Yeah, they couldn't tell his cause of death at the beginning. Yeah. And speaking of the pleading diminished capacity, Bobby says that it doesn't matter to him because at the end of the day, he killed his best friend. So he doesn't like, he doesn't care what happens to him because at the end of the day, he killed his best friend. And he's got a, he's got a few stages of grief to go through mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. in time he will care what happens to him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his lawyer will figure their stuff out for good news is since he doesn't remember anything, he can't admit to anything. So he hasn't, That's true. That's true. He hasn't admitted to committing any crimes as far as he knows he hasn't. He's just taking their, their words for them. So yeah, we never, well, I assume we'll ever find out what happens to Bobby. Other than the fact that he goes on to become a superhero. And yes. Then, and then grows old with Mandy Moore. And, uh, There's worse people to grow children. old with. And we move to work and Grissom outside with the return of the perp walk. Yes, I didn't know. The return were... of the perp walk. It was the most dour and sour uh, yes. perp walk. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't an emboldening one. It was a. Oh man, this really sucks. <laughs> perp walk. Yeah, yeah, I know. And Grissom this says is, that he uh, is going quote unquote away, which means to ride roller coasters. Yeah, I wrote. Uh, how many times is roller coasters going to appear in the show? Because this seemed like a really big deal. Like we're supposed to think this is a pretty big deal, and he like. I, I, I couldn't tell if it was just very not crowded or the $20 he gave the ride attendant was supposed to be a bribe to let him ride alone. or I think it's supposed to be a bribe to let him ride alone. I think that it's it was probably like 4 o'clock in the morning or something. Although it was just daytime a second ago, but whatever. In Vegas, the scene never sleeps, he finds a quiet time and yes. is able to get a solo ride. He's like crying through the whole roller coaster ride. Again... This is me believing there's going to be, uh, I don't know, it, I, my, in my brain right now, I'm like, does Grissom have a brother? Like, was there like some trauma at home? Is like, you know, was dad beating his mom? That's why Nick is man, diving deep. Man who hit women was one of his three things. And then like, obviously his brother overdosed on drugs because that was one thing. So we'll have to see if any of those predictions we'll find out. come true. No. I don't know. In one season, two seasons, five seasons, who knows how long it could take. Yeah. I, could, I mean, oh, there's, there's, there's 16 seasons for us to go through. So, I mean, technically 15 and then the 16th season is like one long episode but how many seasons until the first character leaves the show major character Mm, it's pretty it's pretty late it's like it's not until like the seventh or eighth season that's a good run yeah yeah Yeah, a long long way to get there i look forward to making that episode of the podcast yeah yeah all right so that is the end of the episode nick what are your thoughts on this episode i started talking about this earlier but 
I feel like the pacing of this episode is a lot. It felt very, like, well executed, right? They had these mm-hmm. different storylines. Storyline C was never, it was kind of a weird storyline. I, I didn't really like it. I, I didn't it's like it. It's a throwaway. It's a throwaway. Yeah. It's like, it's like we're going to have this, and if we if we need filler time, we have filler time. If, you know, we'll cut scenes from this story, you know, just to make it fit 22 and a half minutes or 44 minutes or whatever, how long. These were, I guess they're hour-long shows, right? They were the yeah, so they're, the runtime is like 46, 47 minutes. Yeah, and so uh, that was fine. But, yeah, no, they. I was. I liked the episode. It, it was very different, I feel like, than a lot of the other episodes, but it feels like it's getting to... Normal thing. I think I like Nick and Catherine's storyline a lot more. I the main storyline. I really was more peeved about how it ended. It just sort of like they just kind of like jumped to the end of the. You know, it just it was like a whole like oh here's a bunch of new information and this is what and we're we're just gonna say this happened. We don't really have any new evidence or like we're not gonna like follow it up with any more evidence. I feel like the Nick and Catherine storyline like that felt like they really like were like constantly driving at the better truth the better truth and like that felt like that was really good but i mean i still enjoyed all the storylines poor ethan the drug dealer though you know he got detained for a few hours but no mandatory sentencing or mandatory no sentence i didn't quite follow that for first time schedule one drug offenders which was surprising yes yes so my thoughts on the episode this is actually probably my favorite episode to date yeah. of what we've watched this is probably my favorite episode i feel there's a lot of back and forth there's i like the multiple i mean again they just basically ignored sarah's storyline for the most part but i like that there was three storylines yep. even though sarah's didn't get really the attention it probably deserved our definitely best spot the guest star cameo to date we'll have plenty coming up but a, a solid one so yeah no i think I, I i really like this episode and i think it and i think it continues to stand up as we go through further episodes so i wrote i wrote down i think this is the format that lauren lauren will like yes because i was thinking when i was this episode like there is something about this they just figured something out like it's hard to say what it is and then now it's like okay polish everything else off and you have and you have a great tv show yes right and it's like it's like they're coming in also the characters are building right the relationships are building people are settling in you know i think i was thinking like a lot of like a lot of TV shows that have like 13 episodes in their first season, a lot of times you tend to just like say, well, the whole first season, you just kind of kind of have to sit through most of it. And then it gets, you know, it just gets get better and better. There's shows a lot of episodes left in the first season. Yes. I feel like by the time they get to the end of the first season, the first season is going to be really good. So we shall see. I look forward to that. Well, our next stop in this season is season one, episode six, titled who are you? So we will be reviewing that next week. Wait, is that what it's, this it's titled, podcast is named after? No, it's it's named after the the intro song. Who are you? Oh, is that what this podcast is named after? Yeah. I didn't I didn't even know that. Yes. Well, Nick is learning stuff along with the, you viewers. I believe when we talked about the song, I don't I don't even know if we pulled it up, but I remember saying, that, "Like I know this is a Who song because they played at the Super Bowl, and that was it." Yes, yes, that was your only frame of reference. My phone, so. my, I, I was not. I didn't have my phone out on top of my desk at that time, so I didn't identify the song for me. Yeah, no. I did. Uh, I did watch the credits and then like play the game of like what episode is each one of these scenes from. And they are basically for all from like the first three episodes. I think there was like maybe one thing from the last episode in it, maybe. Okay. And I was like, I wonder if they like sub in 
one or two shots every time. Uh, we'll have to, I, when we're like 20 episodes in, I'm going to have to try to remember to do another retrospective. Yeah, and see, and see if the intro evolves as the season there goes was on. A, there was a scene from the helicopter, the guy of the helicopter. That wasn't in the like the, the second episode. So, like, I don't know. It, it, it'd be really interesting to see. It. I think there's been a few things from each episode added. So, But I do I know from you that, spoiler alert, the golf club shot is there for the long haul yes it is it is there for the long haul <laughs> so we will be back next week in the meantime uh if you want to you can follow us on facebook at who are you colon a csi podcast we are also on twitter and instagram at who are you csi pod or you can send us an email at who are you csi pod at gmail.com but otherwise we will talk to you next week thanks for listening